0: The Ruth Frost Parker Center for Abundant Aging presents The Art of Aging, information and tips on how to experience life more abundantly as we age. Our hosts are John King and Rev. Beth Long Higgins, Executive Director of the Ruth Frost Parker Center in Marion, Ohio, an initiative of the United Church Homes. Hi Beth. This month, we're doing a two-part episode on service coordination for individuals living in independent living communities. In this part, we'll meet Natalie Baker, Vice President of Resident Services at St. Mary's
1: Development Corporation. She'll share how service coordinators are able to draw upon a wide variety of resources in a city like Dayton, Ohio. It is interesting to compare what service coordination looks like in a city versus a smaller town. Either way, there is a dedication to helping residents live safely and with a good quality of life by connecting them to the resources in their communities. Let's meet Natalie.
0: Can you give me a thumbnail of what a service coordinator is?
1: A lot of people think social services, but a service coordinator is somebody that's going to meet the residents where they're at. One thing unique about a service coordinator, unlike a social worker, is we recognize we're not experts. In any field, we're not here to tell you what you should do. We're here to meet you where you're at and work as your partner to connect you to professionals that already exist in the community. Like financial planning, for example. There's free services available that'll write power of attorneys, living wills, offer individuals on lower incomes. Why wouldn't we tap into that resource? But most people don't know they exist. If we can help educate them on that resource, sit down with the resident, make the appointment on speakerphone, be there to help navigate them through that. Okay, this is Bob from whatever agency. He's gonna help you with this. If you have any questions, you know, I'm gonna be in my office. You can meet in the community room. Or maybe, uh, can you make sure that you bring a large font? Mr. Smith has a difficult time reading small print. So just kind of helping be their advocate in situations like that and connecting them to experts in the community that already do the work. So we're kind of connectors. Service coordinations nationwide. It started as a HUD-funded program. Lots of other people have realized the benefits of it. So now there's quite a few other funding streams, but there's tons of data. I mean, if you think about, if I can keep a resident, let's say $2,200 a month for assisted living, if I can keep a resident in their home for six months, potentially, if they were to get Medicaid waiver, we're saving taxpayers a pretty good chunk of money. I mean, just that alone, people want to age in place. If you're low-income, you might not be getting adequate health care. You might not have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. So a lot of our folks aren't just dealing with the issue of independence versus long-term care. It's some of these barriers that they've faced for quite a while. And obviously, we know those barriers do equal not-as-great health outcomes. Obviously, if you don't have access to anything but high-sodium foods and unhealthy options. If you're managing chronic diabetes, you're not going to live quite as long in the community or you're going to have a lower quality of life. Maybe there's a little convenience store up the street that sells food, but is it affordable and do they have fresh fruits and vegetables?
0: What can you do to help people develop healthier eating habits?
1: That's the biggest question. We're not here to tell you what you shoulda, woulda, coulda. We're here to meet you where you're at. If that's something you're interested in getting more information on, Sure. We're going to make sure we bring in the Dayton Food Bank uh, to provide the pop-up farmer's market. We're going to have an educator come in the building and talk about um, healthy eating on a budget. We're going to have people come in and do diabetes education, if that's what you're interested in. If you have a mentality, I've always done this. I'm going to continue to make these lifestyle choices. That's cool too. What else can we help you with? Part of thriving, I believe, for any individual, regardless of age, is being able to feel that you have a say in your care, and they're taking the lead with us. We're almost a partner in their health outcomes rather than a leader. I mean, all the time, your doctor's giving you doctor's orders. Their families are telling them what they need to do. Their home health aide is finger-wagging when they're eating a cookie with diabetes, where that's not our role. We're gonna say, what do you need from me? What steps do you wanna take? What's the most important thing to address today? It might be diet, but it might be, I want one of those free cell phones my neighbor told me about. It might be, I'd like to volunteer somewhere. The more self-esteem and the more inner involved and community connected they are within the community, their neighbors are gonna be the biggest guide sometimes. Oh, Miss Betty told me that this was an option. Can you tell me about this? So I think the more self-esteem and the more you feel you're in control, the more likely you are to make better choices. But not database, just from what they tell me, because they seniors like to tell you what they think <laughs> sometimes. So we let them take the lead.
0: How do you arrange transportation if they don't have a car?
1: So transportation is one of the biggest barriers that all seniors face regardless of income unfortunately. I wish that there was an easy solution. If it's to and from a doctor's appointment, a lot of times insurance companies will help pay for non-emergency transport. So we contact their insurance company. Most people don't even know that this is a benefit that they have. A lot of Medicare Advantage plans are offering transportation too. So you could make $80,000 a year in retirement and be eligible for this service. A lot of people are just unaware that they'd be eligible for it. It could be as simple as calling an insurance company. If they just want to go to the movies, it could be as simple as calling the RTA and getting them a reduced fare bus pass. Or Project Mobility is another service that's offered for individuals with disabilities. If you're eligible, it's only seven bucks round trip. Here's a service that'll pick you up at your door.
0: Okay, let's talk about food delivery.
1: Home delivered meals is what we've been pushing very, very adamantly since COVID. We started calling people every single week on a rotating. We're just gonna call to check in. Did you know you're eligible for home delivered meals? Did you know you're eligible? There was a huge funding burst during the middle of COVID for home delivered meals, rightfully so. Navigating the grocery store with a walker and the shopping carts, very difficult. We tried to sign everybody up for home delivered meals if they were interested. Okay, I know it's not the best food, but let's say one day you're not really feeling that great and you don't feel like cooking. You know you'll have this in your freezer. So trying to use that to get people signed up. We also partner with Mom's Meals in the city of Dayton. And we have a wonderful relationship with the Homeful Mobile Grocery. Several of our properties are located in food deserts. So we partnered with Homeful. It's a giant big rig semi that pops out like an RV that will park on our property, they'll pop it out, and our residents come out there and shop like a grocery store. They're eligible to get grants, Homeful is, from like USDA to provide cash back, if you would. So you spend $5 and you get a $5 coupon in return to use on fresh produce. So it reduces their grocery costs, the truck accepts food stamps, and it comes right to the property, which is huge because if, you know, maybe all you need is milk and bread, I'm not gonna ride. RTA for 45 minutes just for milk and bread and one of the biggest exciting things for the residents is the fact that the grocery truck had ice cream and I thought oh chronic illness ice cream bad combination but a resident really broke it down in a way that I had never considered is you know it takes me about 45 minutes to return home when I go to Myers. if I bought ice cream it'd be melted It's something we take for granted that we can just hop in our car and get ice cream. But they were so excited to have ice cream because by the time they get off the bus and bring it home, it's melted.
0: Is St. Mary's housing only for low-income people?
1: Our housing is not what you think of when you think of low-income housing. Our residents have to have work to live there because they're charged rent. It's a common misconception. People think just because you're in affordable housing means, you know, you haven't worked, and that's simply not true. We've got veterans. We've got teachers. We've got maybe a mom that was stay at home until the kids graduated and then worked afterwards, so maybe her Social Security isn't enough to be able to pay 900 bucks a month, but our average resident lives on about $12,000 a year.
0: So as part of the job to help them keep from moving to the next level?
1: Most people think when you're a senior, you live independently until you know you have quite a bit of needs and then you transfer to assisted living, and then down the road you end up in a nursing home. What people don't realize is assisted living will never happen for many of our residents because most of it's private pay and costs on state average about $2,200 a month. Our folks can't afford that. They might be eligible for assisted living waiver, but the last time I checked, the waiting list was about two years. So we keep them independent with wraparound services that kind of supplement an assisted living situation until if we've done our job, they can live out all of their golden years within our apartments or move to the higher level of care.
0: Can you tell me about navigating that?
1: I will tell you the state of Ohio is a freedom over safety state. So... If the resident recognizes a need to go to nursing care, then we're going to work together. We're going to see which is going to be, uh, in reality, which has an open bed for a low-income person that's within an area they'd like to stay. We might take a look at it. Some of the places will come and pick you up and take you on tours. But uh, more times than not, our residents don't want to go to a nursing home. So they don't. There's a common misconception that when people are at a place they need it, they go. And that's not necessarily true. We see quite the opposite. We've actually had residents that have had hospice end up coming into their apartment and living out their final years. You know, it's really up to them. Unless they're not at a risk to themselves or others, Ohio's freedom versus safety. Although it might scare us, we support their decision and help aid their decision any way we can.
0: What are some of the other ways you support people?
1: Do you have a voice within your community? It's great that, you know, you have the right to vote, but if the closest voting poll is three miles away uphill and there's no RTA bus that gets there, is it really access? So we're helping to address those issues that make up health outcomes. It's more than just health care. Everybody thinks health care, but are you going to fill your prescription if you have to choose between food or medicine? So we're kind of targeting those areas. Sometimes it's as simple as helping them fill out an application for Medicaid. But sometimes it's a little bit more complicated, like into life planning. Maybe your life insurance policy has a cash value that's going to get to a point that you're not going to be eligible for Medicaid because of the cash value. Should we go ahead and purchase a headstone? Should we go ahead and look at some of these, some of these resources or workarounds, if you will, to make sure that you get all the benefits that you've earned throughout your life?
0: Do you have any stories you could tell me about where you were able to do something particularly important to help someone?
1: We had a resident that was a veteran. He was waiting until he turned 65 to be able to go ahead and get his Social Security. He'd worked his whole life, but he had to quit working at 61 because of his health problems. He didn't realize he was eligible for VA benefits. He was eligible for a VA pension, but had absolutely no idea so we were able to get him signed up for his VA pension to be able to start collecting that before he was eligible for Social Security. If not, I mean, he was living on a little bit of part-time income that he was able to get and donating plasma. So the thought that we have this man that had to quit working and only work part-time because he was sick is donating plasma and still working part-time just to get to 65 to be able to collect his retirement because just because he didn't know. There's tons and tons of situations where you know our residents just don't know what they're eligible for, or there's a misconception that if I take this benefit, it's gonna take away from somebody that needs it more. Dignity's huge, right? Nobody wants to think that they're taking away from somebody else, and from what I've learned, sometimes poor people are the most generous of all and don't wanna take money or services away from somebody that needs it more, even to know they've earned the service, they're entitled to it, it's part of Medicare and anybody could get the service. It just takes that explaining. So sometimes it's just that education piece. We were also able to bring in vaccines to our building, which I think is huge because in the beginning, a lot of the vaccine clinics and even COVID testings were drive-through. Well, that's great, but if you're 86 years old and don't drive anymore, you're not going through a drive through testing line at UD Arena, right? So it's some of those things. So we were able to work with some of the pharmacies and the local area agency on aging and bring the services directly to our residents to kind of eliminate that whole getting on public transportation at 86 and trying to go find a vaccine. It seems like common sense, but, you know, we were all scrambling to try to find solutions during COVID, and thankfully we were able to be that for the residents.
0: Tell me about how you provided Alexa devices to your residents.
1: Obviously, all of us realized during the pandemic how important technology is. Great. Okay, I can meet my doctor telehealth. Awesome, let me grab my smartphone. That's not an option for our seniors. A lot of them have never used technology or had no desire, and now everything's virtual. Access to applications, for example, has went online. socialsecurity.gov promotes their website to get proof of income. Our folks aren't using those things. We realized how important it was for some technology literacy. And after talking about, uh, you know, dexterity issues, eyesight, potential hearing, what would be the best option for seniors? And there's a- there's actually a program and a study that was done by AARP where they partnered affordable housing for seniors with the Alexa devices and realized that voice was probably one of the smartest ways. So we've integrated it at this point into two buildings. And even hearing the residents talk in the community room about what they ask for, Alexa tells me a joke every day. It's funny, and um, some of the stories that you hear too where the residents say, oh, I think it's great because I can check the weather in San Diego where my daughter lives, just to know what it's like. So even to know she might not have received a call from her daughter or might not be calling her daughter or might not be seeing her daughter, She feels a little connected now because she knows that it's going to be 72 and sunny where her daughter and grandkids are. But we're seeing more and more of uh, WebMD trying to figure out chronic health. Okay, diets. It could be essential as what do you eat if you have gout? What are diet recommendations if you have, you know, this chronic illness? So they're doing some research on their own and trying to take a little bit more control of their own needs. We actually have one of our residents who is legally blind, and she loves the Alexa because she can have it tell her a recipe. So she's in her vision-impaired kitchen cooking, thanks to Alexa, who's giving her a recipe on how to bake a pineapple upside-down cake. It's kind of cool because most recipes are printed. It gives her the freedom to actually participate in the Internet in a way that you know, she wouldn't have been able to do if it was just a tablet or iPad that was given to her.
0: How do you work with family members?
1: Family involvement is really up to family involvement. If one of our residents comes in, they're my client, unless they want me to be involved with family. They're going to sign a release of information in order for me to convey anything to any family members. And I think that's important and different, because I know, uh, just speaking for myself, I've been to like a doctor's appointment with an older adult before, and... They're not talking to the older adult. They're talking to me. And I think that that's where we kind of lose a little sense of almost humility they're my client. If they don't want me to ever talk to their daughter, I'm never going to talk to their daughter. If they say, oh, this is my daughter's name, you know, if anything happens, you know, she's a great contact, please reach out to her. Cool, let's sign a release of information. Sometimes we do have family members that'll call and say, I haven't heard from my mom in a couple of days. Um, would you go check on her? Absolutely. I'm going to go knock on the door. I'm going to check on her. And I'm going to say, yeah, your daughter reached out. She says, oh, I don't want her to know that I'm there. Okay, cool. <laughs> You might want to give her a call because I'm going to have to ignore her call <laughs> if she calls. But what we found is a lot of the families, if you're in a low-income situation, sometimes because of the cycle of poverty, some of the families are no better off financially than some of our seniors. You know, maybe they're working two part-time jobs and raising two kids. So on top of daycare and uh, they just don't have a lot of time for their older adults, it's not that they don't care, it's just they don't have a lot of time. So we've been told, you know, it's a huge blessing to have somebody in the building that can help mom with some of these needs. We might not be able to go to a doctor's appointment, but we can help coordinate that transportation and make that appointment for her.
0: Tell me about mental health issues.
1: That's a tough one. With mental health reform, there is no place for people with mental health really to go. They're integrated within the community. Which works beautifully because um, as you get older, you might suffer from depression, which, as we know, is a mental health issue. You know, people think of mental health as something that other folks have that they don't, but it's actually not that uncommon. We just completed a mental health stigma reduction campaign because we realized with COVID that there was a lot of people that were silently struggling with depression. So we brought in Montgomery County Adams Board to provide Mental Health 101 and Trauma 101 educations, as well as providing information on grief, stress, the difference between depression and winter blues, and obviously medication education.
0: Do you have data on resident satisfaction?
1: We do improve quality of life. As a matter of fact, our residents reported last year in our resident survey that um, 80% of them reported a high or somewhat good quality of life during a pandemic. I think that speaks very loudly for the services that we're providing. Even during a pandemic, I mean, we were actually able to keep them as happy as we could and bring services to them to help kind of pad the blow that we all experienced during 2020.
0: This podcast was funded in part by the Dayton Foundation Del Mar Encore Fellows Initiative and the Ruth Frost Parker Center for Abundant Aging, a program of United Church Homes. Audio production and interviews were conducted by Del Mar Fellow Eric Johnson.